Good evening and welcome back to the Diz Dads Podcast Plus. I'm your host, Aaron Ripmaster, and joining me tonight to record Diz Dads Podcast Plus number 27 are my co-hosts, Tim Hicks. Hey, howdy, hey. And Willie Crocker. Hey, guys, welcome back. (laughs) And uh, our intrepid guest host, Jay Crocker. Thanks for having me yet again, guys. Well, you know, we figured if you were going to let Willie record from your living room, then we probably ought to let you join us as well. Most understandable. Somebody's got to put up with him and help babysit yeah. him as well. He, he's such a mooch. Somebody, somebody needs to help him find the mute button every once in a while. <laughs> That's right. Uh, all right. The so <laughs> this is what I mean. Um, so. In a minute here, we're going to get to um, our topic of the day, which is to have some fun with retheming attractions. The you know, as we record this tonight, um, earlier today, Walt Disney World, uh, well, actually, Disney Parks and Resorts um, announced that uh, Splash Mountain is going to be rethemed uh, coast to coast, and we thought, well, you know, that idea is interesting, and we'll talk about that itself uh, first, but. Um, Hey, what if we applied some of that to other attractions as well? So we're going to look at the parts of Disney's Hollywood Studios that didn't get refreshed when Toy Story Land and uh, uh, Galaxy's Edge were built and see what kind of rethemes we can come up with that might help refresh those areas as well. But before we dive into that discussion, we do need to thank our podcast sponsors, uh, travel sponsors Wicked Mouse Travel and Mouse Master Travel are both authorized Disney vacation planners that would love to help you plan your next Disney destination vacation. You can uh, contact them at their respective websites, uh, wickedmousetravel.com and mousemastertravel.com. And of course, our longtime sponsor, Kingdom Strollers, uh, Orlando's premium stroller and crib rental vendor. Uh, when you get back to Walt Disney World with a reopening, coming up just uh, just down the road here a few months um they would a uh, few months just just down the road a few weeks um <laughs> they would love to help make it easier for you by uh making a stroller available that you can take back to your hotel room with you uh much better that way all right um so oh and i'm sorry and they're at kingdomstrollers.com um all right guys uh news breaks today that um we're getting a retheme of Splash Mountain. They're dropping the Song of the South theming that has always maybe been uh, just a, a, an odd fit, right? Because great music, great music, but but it was always a little strange because by the time they built Splash Mountain, the movie was pretty much already in mothballs. Right, exactly. It's like uh, most people don't even know Song of the South at this point. 
Well, and, and I think really that's the core of it, right? It, it's hard to continue to to deal with the negative perceptions of Song of the South in the attraction if nobody has any context for any of the characters anyway. Um, so it, it makes a whole lot of sense to to say, you know, let's let's take advantage of the fact that we probably have a little bit less traffic, a little bit, you know, uh, um, a little bit of a lull here, and so we'll have an opportunity to do the sort of, of complete overlay type retheme that, that really Disney's done before on other attractions. Um, you know, uh, frankly, Splash Mountain itself. I'm sure you guys have read some of these uh, stories too about how many of the animatronics that are part of, of Splash Mountain are repurposed from the old uh, America Sings attraction, right? They, they took down America Sings and they just put new clothes on them. <laughs> It's right, so and, it's but it makes sense. It is, yeah. Right, and so uh, the news from today is that um, we'll get a retheme to, and, and I love the retheme um, to Princess and the Frog. So there's a lot of good music to choose from there as well. There's is there really Brer Frog in Song of South. <laughs> Brer Frog, no, <laughs> no, but you know, there, there. I, I think it's an interesting transition, right? Because, because. Although the the animation style is certainly very different, at least the animal characters in Princess and the Frog, I feel like, share a lot of design sensibility with Song of the South. I, I agree with that 100%. There's so much they can do and keep it really simple. The only thing I hope they don't do is do a bunch of stupid screens like they did at Frozen ever after and that wow. would ruin that ride in two minutes you know there's so much good technology available i really hope that they'll make themselves you know avail themselves to the opportunity to make that really something really cool well and and let's remember just like those animatronics were repurposed from america sings to splash mountain there's every reason to believe that they can do the same thing you know the the uh uh brer bear right well, put a new skin on him, and he becomes Lewis. Exactly. It, easily, too. Yeah, yep. exactly. Similar body shape. Totally work. Change, change the voice. You're, you got it. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it, it might be a little harder to change, uh, you know, Br'er Rabbit to, to, you know, characters as frogs. But the flip side to that is I can't wait to see what they do with the dancing fountains. Right, because I mean that's that seems to me to be a perfect opportunity to have frogs yeah. hopping around you. Yeah, and it's such an easy fix. Like you're not having to do a lot with dancing fountains. Right, like it's like it this fits. is water shooting. Right, yeah. Yeah, it fits the it fits the theme perfectly. Yeah, and, and you know, so, if I, so, oh, go ahead, Jay. You're starting to say. No, my question is, um, I, I find it fascinating that. Disney has made this announcement uh, today after a huge social media push by a lot of the public on uh, Facebook and Twitter and, and these other things. And, and I, I find it fascinating yet oddly um, coincidental <laughs> that they released this information after people had been pushing for it um, you know, in in various ways, with everything that's gone on with the, with the changes with the back Black Lives Matter movement and all of that in the in the country, and I wonder if this was something that they were trying to keep under wraps that they realized they had to say something about, or if 
this was something that had been shelved and they were like, you know what, I think it's time to bring this forward. Or if it's really, truly been in the works, it makes me um, question uh, all of that. I mean, I agree. It's a little curious, but but I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. I, I really think that there's a, a very good possibility that this is something that's been sitting on a shelf somewhere just you know, waiting for its turn in the budget cycle. And, and there are a couple of things that point that direction to me. Um, one is, you know, how quickly they came out with concept art, you know, right away. Um, exactly. For something that if it wasn't. And they never have that immediately. Right. That never. quickly. Number one, number like two, to be announced. here's an interesting one. Um, so I, I have an acquaintance um, who bought a um, poster at an auction of like Disneyana stuff, um, you know, a few years ago, um, and it's a poster of the um, the 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 Princess and the Frog characters in a Splash Mountain log going down the drop, and it's signed by a bunch of the folks who were in the cast. Okay, that's very interesting. If, yeah. if that poster exists, right, that tells me that you, that there were several years ago they were already talking about this. Absolutely. I and also that think probably worth some money. Yeah. Big money. Right. All of a sudden it's worth more than it was. This is the perfect time for them to not have to do a water ride that splashes. That's true. And too. they can close that ride for six, nine, 12 months and completely say, Hey, we're social distancing. We're retheming. And at the same time, the safety first comes with no one with COVID being, I mean, it's just a perfect timing, and I was it was weird to see that Good Morning America announced it, but it was great that they did it. Well, GMA announced it because Disney owns them. Oh, I know, but there is that. <laughs> um, yeah, and and so you know, I, I do think that this is a great fit, um, and. In that tradition, in this this tradition of Disney, you know, no idea Disney ever dies, and um, no no theme is sacrosanct, right? Everything can be changed, um, and we've seen it over and over again in in various places in the parks. In fact, you know, one of the one of the most dramatic sort of thematic redos came just a, a you know couple of years ago when out in California Adventure we got our first Marvel attraction in a U.S. Disney park when we got the complete redressing of Tower of Terror and without changing a single bit of ride mechanics. It's a completely different experience that's totally immersive in this completely different environment. Yep. People love the ride. Yeah. Such a great ride from what I've heard. Yeah, I, I've ridden several times, and it's it's. I love Radiator Springs Racers. Don't get me wrong; Radiator Springs Racers is a great attraction. I would rather I would choose to ride uh, Guardians of the Galaxy over and over before worrying about getting back in line for for Radiator Springs. And that's saying a lot, it really is. Yeah. I find um, that interesting, though, that, that they have that at um, Disneyland, Disneyland, Disneyland Resort, but um, they're building an entirely new building for that at um, in Epcot for um, for that attraction. I think that's going to be very interesting. But that's just – it speaks to – yeah. Well it, well, it speaks to the fact that, you know, things are – even though they may be the same concept, they're 
differently executed between the two parks. Well, and it, it's a totally different storyline. I mean, you know, they, they it's the same IP, but that's the only thing they share. Um, it, it's a different story. That, that's kind of what helps you, uh, you know, helps bring people to different parks. Hey, oh, sure. it's this way in California, but it's yeah, that way in Florida. And as I, I tell you, I see the the stuff for um, pirates in, uh, what is it, Disney Sea? And I'm like, I need to go there and, and experience that. I want that. that. Yeah. I, I totally want it. Like Mystic Manor. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no the, the, it's the pirates at Shanghai that is the completely, you know, that's different it. experience. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um. Yeah, one of these days we'll we'll have we'll have our uh, our Asian park experts uh, come on the show and and talk about you know highlight some of those rides that are just totally different attractions uh, in other parks. Um, but I, I want to dig into our our sort of focus for the week, and that is acknowledging this idea that that Disney has thrived on you know extending the life of attractions and and really sort of reinvigorating attractions by giving them, you know, a retheme without having to to make necessarily major structural changes. And, you know, we've seen it happen in places um, all around, but it struck us that at, at Disney's Hollywood Studios, you almost have this very oddly dichotomous park right now because you've got these two brand new lands, um, you know, Toy Story Land and Galaxy's Edge that both you know, open just within the last couple of years. And then the rest of the park feels like it's getting a little dated. It, it's, you know, losing some of its currency and its relevancy. Exactly. Um, and, and that's maybe highlighted even more now that that new stuff has crept into the middle of the park with, you know, uh, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway opening in the, the great movie ride space. And so what we're going to do is we're going to tour around Disney's Hollywood Studios looking at the attractions that haven't been part of the Hollywood Studios renaissance yet. And we know that the big money has already been spent, right, in Galaxy's Edge and Toy Story Land on Mickey and Minnie's. So if if we're, and I hate to put it this way because these are some of our favorite attractions, but if we're stuck with these ride mechanics, okay, what can we do with them, right? How can we dress them differently? How can we change things up to update the attractions, make it a new, better experience, and perhaps make it one that's more fitting with the new overall face of Hollywood Studios. Um, and so I, I think to do that, we need to, to, like I said, tour through the park, and, and we're going to come in through the gates. I'm not going to worry so much about that, you know, uh, sort of... Uh, you know, entrance plaza area. I don't know that we need to get into the details of, you know, the naming of individual shops and things like that. Um, but, you know, once we hit the, the sort of that first, uh, major intersection, um, and we have our, our opportunity to head down Sunset Boulevard off to the right, I think we've got a lot of opportunities that are going to present themselves. So, um, as we're walking down Sunset, the first thing that, we kind of come across that I think has, uh, you know, an argument for needing some update is the Beauty and the Beast live on stage show. And, and that one's a hard one, I think, because on the one hand, we've got this sort of reboot of Beauty and the Beast from the live action film that was very well received. 
On the other hand, this is the same show that's been running in that same space for 20 plus years now. So guys, who, who has a thought? What, what are we going to do here to breathe some life into that theater of the stars space? So um, I'd like to say, before we even talk about maybe some of our suggestions for that space, Disney had a phenomenal um, short show in there. Um, I don't know. I want to say two years ago, we were there for our summer trip and there was the music of Pixar. I don't know if, if any of you all got to see that, but there's a live orchestra on stage where they then narrate and talk about how Pixar films were created and how the music creates the emotions. And they took you through Monsters, Inc., um, through, um, through uh, Up!, through all of these, through all of these various films, and then the characters made appearances um, on stage and in the audience, um, and uh, and I will tell you, it was so refreshing to not see the kind of as you said, I love Beauty and the Beast, you know, Belle's my favorite princess, but it feels so dated, especially with so much of that show recorded rather than sung live. You know, there's only a few of them actually singing in that one, and it just feels so um, dated. Um, that I was hoping that the Pixar Live with the orchestra would be the replacement, but I'm guessing it's too expensive with a full orchestra on well, the stage. They, they um, seem to run it. It's a limited time thing. You know, when they've got the band mm-hmm. around, they, they'll run it for you know a few weeks or, or whatever as a special event. But yeah, um, I think it's a, I think you've hit it on the head. I think it's an, an issue of not wanting to employ a full-time orchestra, you know, 24, seven, 365. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but, but, your point is taken. I mean, I think that that space lends itself to some different kinds of performance as well. It doesn't have to be a stage show um, without it having a huge, you know, change in terms of what it costs to run it and all of that. So um, I don't know. Anybody else have an idea for a, a, a retheme, a way that we could change the sort of the, the dress and the approach uh, without having to, to make major changes to the physical space? Well, I'd like to see some more Aladdin, like with the new Will Smith movie and everything else. The you could do so much and keep it simple. Like it doesn't need to be a forty-minute show or anything else. I mean, kids don't have the like wherewithal to sit there for forty or fifty minutes. Like twenty-minute show in and out. You know, keep the show really quick and simple. I mean, I love the Lion King at Animal Kingdom, but at forty minutes. You know, a seven-year-old is done by the time the monkeys are done climbing up and down the, you know, the 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 vines and things. So, like, why not do something real quick with the Aladdin and have the genie and things like that? Just to something that the kids are more, you know, where you can make the, the lamp make, you know, blow up and things like that. Just to keep it real quick and fun. Okay. So, so. Tim Willie's going to update uh, the Beauty and the Beast live Beauty and the Beast live on stage by bringing on a stage version of an older show than Beauty and the Beast, right? And um, that's not a bad idea. But what I'm looking at this, going okay, so they kind of did Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin live actions, kind of pretty much in a grouping, if you will, and. Uh, does that render uh, the Beauty and the Beast show a little bit more timely? 
Uh, but I but I agree with you at the same time that everything, most everything is recorded. I've seen the show, I don't know how many times, and it's like, okay, so what else could they do to, you know, bring a, to bring a little more uh, interest to it? You know, more live voices, more, more action, fewer costumes. Because um, the, the, those costumes have got to be just, well, they're huge and they're, they're difficult and, and moving around in them, I would have to think is just horrible, but you can do things like they've done with Nemo, with Lion King, that would be easier and more effective and easier to watch. And like you said, you know, you could cut the time frame down a little bit uh, to keep people's attention. I don't know that I would necessarily change it from a Beauty and the Beast theme, but I would change the way it's done. See, I think that what what we run the risk of here is is frankly uh, you know a common thing that disney runs into which is that characters become beloved characters and so we don't want to change it and as a result the you know characters that have come along since end up not having the same kind of staying power because they have their moment when their film comes out and then they go away and and you know the whole you know bringing back uh uh Princess and the Frog and, and Tiana is the exception almost that proves the rule. I mean, you know, we haven't seen a, a film that's that far removed from its release in become an attraction, yep. you know, that much farther down the road. Um, so I, I would really like to see that, that uh, show updated with, you know, maybe a, a more recent character, either, um, you know, use you do a tangled show. Um, Disneyland had some really interesting, sort of more interactive shows um, that they were doing, um, sort of next to the castle, um, off to the side. There, they they did these. Um, it would it would be uh, you know one of the princesses, and then there was a narrator who helped them tell the story, and they got the kids involved in it. Um, it was sort of conceptually similar to Enchanted Tales with Belle. Once you get to the end room. Um, right. Because you're telling the story and the kids are involved in it. Um, and it had a lot of personality, right. And a lot of actual performance. Um, and I would love to see them do some, you know, updated shows like that with maybe with, with, um, uh, you know, Rapunzel and Flynn or, um, Moana or, you know, some more, more recent, um, Disney musical characters, uh, so that, that those characters get the chance to kind of, embed themselves the way that some of these older ones did. Oh, great point. I mean, Tangled, Tangled is not that old of a movie and Rapunzel is a very, very likable character. And so is Flynn. Yeah. So yeah, I think you've got a point there. You could also do like, uh, I mean, I'm not wanting to jump in, but like a three or four show cycle, you could go into, you know, a little of onward and then a little of, um, you know, up and a little of this, you know, we you, right, the right. show basically is like circle in the round, you know, we're theater in the round. Sorry, yeah. circle in the round is not the right word, but you know, we're keep it drink. going, right? You know, just yep. to keep the people's interest. You know, six minutes of that, six minutes of this, instead of forty-five minutes where you're waiting for the end and you're just like, come on, this is getting you're old. Like, I've heard this story already, <laughs> right? See, I saw the movie already. <laughs> I have a different idea. Um, 
And I, and I like the idea of, of Tangled because of, of all of the recent animated films, Tangled is my, is my favorite recent um, Dis- Disney film. Um, so, of course, I would love to see the snuggy, Snuggly Duckling somehow make an appearance somewhere in one of the parks. Um, but um, my idea was to turn it into the, um, the Royal Dalton Music Hall from Mary Poppins Returns. Um, it's, it's supposed to be a concert hall itself. Um, so why wouldn't you theme it like the Mary Poppins Returns um, hall that they travel to? And um, you could have Mary Poppins and other beloved characters inside, possibly singing the songs from um, from that show. But there's nothing that says you couldn't bring in, you know, Rapunzel or or others putting on various acts to kind of combine everything that you guys have said into one. Because if it's supposed to be a music hall, different people could be joining Mary Poppins there. And because it's all fantasy and make believe um, with the children. Um, why, you know, why couldn't, why couldn't you have it? You know, if you, why, have, why can't the dancing chimney sweeps, you know, jump through the window and end up in the snuggly duckling? Exactly. Right. Exactly. And because, why because you have, you have, you know, Mickey's friendship fair where you bring different people from different realms into, um, into the park to interact with one another. It's not, so it's not like they're crossing into one another's films in a strange way. Um, they've come Don't to cross the, the streams. Right. Exactly. It's like Ghostbusters, right? <laughs> um, but, but I think that's a, 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 a way to dress up in the theater that already exists, you know, just give it a little bit of a facelift and then um, bring in those characters. And I think it deals with the, the costume issue that, that Tim was talking about. It brings in the relevance of other characters that might be a little more timely. And the idea, like Willie was saying, of six or seven minutes of this versus 45 minutes of just retelling a shortened version of a beloved movie. Right. So are you thinking something like a vaudeville show where, you know, every every character gets, you know, six minutes worth of time and, you know, or every or every show gets six minutes worth of time. And Absolutely. Do, things, do something yeah. like that. Why yeah. wouldn't you take some of the most like popular moments? Sure. That's a heck of an idea. Love it. Um, all right. So let's continue on down um, Sunset because, you know, we've got the whole rest of, of Sunset Boulevard here and, and a lot of stuff to, to talk about. Um you know, first we're going to get to rock and roller coaster, and I mean, we've been talking about rock and roller coaster getting a retheme. Feels like for the last fifteen years, um, and you know, every time there's a new Disney music star, there are rumors that this ride is is getting a retheme. I mean, how many times did we hear it was going to be a Jonas Brothers <laughs> vehicle, or? You know, 400 times at least. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> so, so here's my biggest problem with the attraction at this point. Um, once upon a time, it kind of fit because Hollywood Studios was broader entertainment studio, right? So it was music and television and, and film. It really isn't anymore. It's really very much a park that primarily celebrates film. And if that's the case, Aerosmith just really is weirdly shoehorned in now. And Aerosmith is not everyone's favorite anymore. I mean, oh, don't come on now. Now, don't get me wrong. I do love me some Aerosmith. Yeah, but but that was the 90s and 80s. Yeah, and people. I, I saw their concert what just five years ago, I think. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm just gonna you know like 
it's time to move on. Are yeah. you going to wait? Because you're going to love what I got with for this. I can't wait. Fire at us. Oh, you want me to roll right now with it? Well, Heck yeah. Uh, I mean, unless yeah, get us get us rolling. Give us something spectacular because okay. you know if we're if we're going to make Grandma give up her ride, um, what's it going to become? <laughs> Here's what it's going to become: you load up the car in the in the in the slot, right, and then you roll it around. But before it takes off, you're going to turn the cars backwards, roll it into that that uh, kind of little you know the little entrance there close the doors and you're going to project the ancient one from Dr. Strange and she's going to talk for a little bit and then she's just going to go boom and you start flying backwards at 60 miles an hour instead of forward okay so you'd make this a complete Dr. Strange um alternate reality kind of sort of thing i think that would be the total bomb if you did something like that interesting that would certainly be different and intense. I don't think there's a roller coaster anywhere that does the entire track backwards, you know, and does does multiple upside down loops. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know I don't that you continue the whole thing backwards. You know, there might be some place where you can actually stop the ride and turn the cars back forward again. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm just I'm blue skying here, right? But you know, the the whole idea, that whole concept of the the uh ex- the existential realities that he goes through as as Doctor Strange is learning about you know the very first part of you know learning about um, the the mystic arts that I think you could just really kill it with this ride. Well, I will say the space lends itself to it. I mean that that dark space with lots of of opportunities to project you know cool immersive you know 3d imaging and things like that um you know that that would be pretty darn cool yeah the first well the first time i saw dr strange was on a disney cruise and it was uh we were sitting like at the on the back row of that very front section and it was 3d and we had the 3d glasses i was so blown away by that and you could you could really execute something like that in this kind of a ride scenario and really make it the talk of the world all right, so I, I love the concept. I think it, it's great. I, I love the involvement of, of Marvel um, and and getting it back to film. Um, anybody have other concepts that they want to pitch here, though? I think we could do something more of just to keep it a roller coaster. It doesn't always have to be, you know, Kiss or Aerosmith. Just you know, call it. I would love it to be like Toy Story roller coaster, but we already have one of those now. But like, you could just name it one of the characters that is forgotten about, and keep it really simple. I know you don't like that, Tim, but <laughs> tell, what? Tell well, w- Willie's Willie's our Roy. He's watching our budget. Yeah, I'm. I'm like paying paying attention to a lot of money right now. You know, you know, it could just be. You know, we have Slinky Dog and we have this, but why not? You know. Just a simple in-the-dark roller coaster. I love the idea of going backwards, but I don't think there's there, space to be able to change it. I don't know that there's any roller coaster anywhere that does the zero to 60 backwards. And I wonder if there are like health risks that come with that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm sure there's probably a reason for that. But uh, uh, So you're thinking extend Toy Story 
world further down into Please, that area. And open up that back area so we can walk across. So we don't have to walk all the way down Sunset Boulevard, all the way past Brown Derby, and all the way around. Uh, so that's the real secret there. You're you're just angling to get that back you know, walkway, you don't care really what they do with the attraction that you just want it toy story. Cause it so makes a better argument for your link uh, in the, you know, for that, that back walkway. Fat and lazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the concept of eat people's time. Come on. You know, this, you know, this as well as anybody, you got to walk past the DVC booth and the beer booth and the, Pin trading and everything else, the ice cream, the popcorn. All right, <laughs> Jay. No, that's time. another thing that can use some retheming. We'll get to that. So, yes. Jay, tell, tell tell Willie what he's wrong about. So he's wrong about pretty much everything there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of got that impression from the look I on your face. So the first thing is, I don't, I don't want just a boring, um, plain old roller coaster that you could pick up at some Six Flags because he wants to not walk as far. Um, <laughs> I'd say pick up another beer and stroll through the sunshine uh, the long way. Um, what 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 I would want to do is um, some something themed much more to um, one of one of Disney's movies. And I am not a huge um, Marvel cinematic fan. Like I enjoy the movies, but I'm not one who is begging for uh, Marvel rides or for for things like this. I think they have a place in the Hollywood studios. Um, you know. Um, shall we say pantheon of rides so I'm, I'm not opposed to it but the idea is that i was thinking i had two different ideas for um for the uh, roller coaster there the first would be something um to bring back one of the uh classically underrated films hercules um especially since there's a lot of talk about a new live action coming out i thought it would be fun to make the roller coaster maybe like escape from the underworld when hercules leaves the underworld you know, because why else would you have a turbulent ride out, you know, and you could take the very nature of a roller coaster and make, you know, it's all glow in the dark anyway, because it's in a building, turn it into those kinds of things. And that could be a lot of fun. Um, and the other one I thought was with the new story of Onward, um, call the roller coaster, the path of peril that the brothers take. And I thought that could be really fun. And again, just have, you know, the, the roller coaster in the dark, follow the places that the kids went, you know, the gelatinous cube could show up and all, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's, those were the ideas that I was having that would make for cheaper, easier fixes than anything else. So well, yeah, and that's what, new IP that can be, you know, utilized. Absolutely. Right. And, and what I like about the, those is that as much as I love Marvel and Dr. Strange and, and, you know, look, I, I was one of the ones who was preaching to get Marvel into Hollywood studios from the beginning, like way back when, it does feel like Marvel is finding its home in Epcot. Um, at least that's the impression that we're getting. Um, I agree. And and the thing is that the, the especially the newer Pixar films like Onward, um, they don't really have a natural park home. And and I think that Hollywood Studios kind of is is becoming more and more the Pixar park. Um, and so I, I really like that idea of doing something there with Onward and and playing on the fantasy, um, you know, the, because as much as it's fun to do, you know, the the wacky surreal um, um, Doctor Strange graphics, 
frankly, just to be blunt about it, cartoons lend themselves to those kind of graphics even more readily than, you know, real life. And they have the benefit of not having to, you know, pay, um, uh, uh, Actors, right? Well, yeah, actors who are as well known and as expensive, right? You can only imagine what Benedict Cumberbatch would charge for something like that. But yeah, I I think I don't think that's a bad thing if if Hollywood Studios becomes Pixar Park. You know, I I don't think that's I don't see that as necessarily a bad thing. Oh no, no, I agree, and and that's kind of my point is that it it starts to help give it some more cohesive, you know. Uh, connective tissue. I, I, I kind of see uh, Hollywood Studios becoming the everything but Walt Disney Animation, right? It's the home Except of for Star Wars. Uh, well, that's just just it. It's it's home for Lucasfilm, right? Star Wars and Indiana Jones, and yep. it's home for Pixar, and it can be home for some of the Fox IP as they begin to integrate that as well. It's kind of the catch-all of everything that's not traditional Disney animation. I guess is the way I would put it. I agree 100%, and that's why I was, I was thinking about Onward going in there, you know, continuing this legacy, you know, like, I'm so surprised that the Pixar Short Film Festival has remained at Epcot. I think it's just because they don't know what to do with the studio there. They should totally be over at Hollywood Studios. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and I mean, the only other thought I would say, and I, and I frankly like the Onward idea better, um, but the, the other thing that I was thinking is that this would be a, a way to, a place to adapt the design for the... Um, Monsters Inc. Doors coaster that didn't get built, right? Because you could probably do a lot of the effects that they were going to do for that one using projection now that you couldn't have done then. Um, And and so you could do a version of a Monsters Inc. Doors coaster in that space. That would be really fun too. I agree. All right. So that leads us to the thrilling next door neighbor of Rock and Roller Coaster. Um, And I got to admit, I'm really conflicted about this one. Um, And that's Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. Uh, you know, I mean, on the one hand, it's hard to argue that there's any logical fit for Twilight Zone Tower of Terror in Hollywood Studios anymore. On the other hand, it is the best version of this attraction anywhere in the world. It's the only one that has the random drop sequence, that has the extra, you know, trackless vehicle piece, that that has all of those bonuses. And so I have a hard time saying we should abandon what it is to let it, you know, to, to have it be something else. But, but you know, where do you said, go? Huh? You know, like, where do you go? It's such a, I don't have like a Disney this is what you need to do with it. I mean, obviously the Tower of Terror is old. It's, but the ride is still so amazing. And it, like we were talking about at dinner tonight, mm-hmm. like you know, it takes longer to do the queue, to get into the car, buckle your seatbelt, than the ride is, and you still like, I want to do it again. I want to do it again. Like, I just, I don't know where you can go here and safely change it. But see, I thought the same thing. I thought the same thing until I rode Mission Breakout. Because riding Mission Breakout was the same exact ride experience itself and an even better, even more immersive attraction experience 
getting through the queue into the, the, you know, elevator car. So I wouldn't have thought it could be done, but then I saw it done. <laughs> so now that I've seen him do it for that, I have to wonder what can you do when you have all of that plus in the Walt Disney world version, a, a couple more opportunities. I mean, you, you've got another chance to do something else with the, the trackless vehicle part where you, you know, pull out of the, the shaft and, you know, go across the hall kind of thing. Um, you know, you've got another opportunity with the things that they're projecting along the sides when you do that. And to be honest, I loved it because I grew up watching Twilight Zone late at night, right? Um, and so I, I, hearing Rod Serling's voice in that intro, right, caught me immediately and brought me back to that nostalgic place. Kids riding that attraction now? have no idea who Rod Serling is or what he is talking about. They have got no centering point point for this. Absolutely not. I and, agree hundred percent. And especially at Hollywood studios, it's just, it doesn't have any Disney res- resonance. And so it doesn't, right. it just doesn't connect the same way. And, and, you know, it got, it's my daughter's favorite attraction. She loves tower of terror, but she's the exception. I mean, and I know a lot of kids really enjoy the ride, but they enjoy the drop sequence. They don't. They don't know Rod Serling. They don't know the what's supposed to be creepy about it. They don't know but the it, story. Right. That's right. the thing. But they just but know does, that it's a drop zone. Does she like it for the entire theming, or does she like it because of what the ride does? I, I mean, she likes both, but she's a theater kid, right? So for her, the stage and the setting is is part of what she enjoys. So it's exquisitely done for sure. Um, and and but I don't know that that's true for a, you know a lot of kids. It may be, um, you know, I, I for me it's hard because I've got two kids, one of whom loves the attraction; it's her favorite thing, and the other who doesn't want to go within the shadow of the building because it terrifies him. So what do, you, what do you think, Aaron? Would you do that? Would um, you continue that sort of theme or what? Well, so that that's what I'm, I keep trying to come up with, you know, what I would do here. And, and I, I don't get anywhere is <laughs> my problem because I feel like whatever it is, it's got, it's got to, anything I've come up with so far, it doesn't go far enough, right? I need, I, it needs more. Um, you know, I, I kind of just, playing around in my head with different thoughts, thought, well, you know, maybe this is an opportunity to do something with Phineas and Ferb, right? That I always thought would have fit better in Epcot anyway, but I think that ship sailed. Um, if we're going to put, you know, sort of the one-off types of animation and things in, in Hollywood studios, I, I think it would be fun to do something Phineas and Ferb there. Although again, that's another one that may, may have lost its moment. Um, you know, I'm afraid you might be right. I mean, I'm, I'm struggling to find the right fit. Phineas and Ferb was so good, but I, 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 you could ask so many kids who they are, and they wouldn't know who it was today. And it was a great show. My kids watched it religiously, and now, you know, like most kids, you ask them what it is, and they have no idea what you're talking about. But they know who Vampirina is, and they know who Doctor McStuffin. It's it's not the ride. It's a it's a one off, but but I got to say that it feels like we had two just terribly missed opportunities with Disney, you know, television IP that that just blew their moment, and that's Kim Possible and yep. uh, Phineas and Ferb, both of which they tried to salvage in 
Hollywood studio or in, in world showcase. Um, and in both cases, it was, it was just not enough. And isn't well, Disney plus bringing back Phineas and Ferb? Are they? I thought I read. There have been rumors on and off about uh, a feature film for Phineas and Ferb for, for years. Yeah. Probably five years now. Um, you know, they, they did the, the Kim possible live action, um, Oh gosh, about a year ago to almost no fanfare. It's like, there was all this buildup for it and then nothing. Um, my daughter watched it. She wasn't impressed, <laughs> um, which is disappointing cause she's a huge fan. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, there's gotta be another story you can tell there. And, and I just haven't hit on the right one. Um, you know, there actually the other franchise that might be interesting there and that might work is Meet the Robinsons, right? Because you've got you know opportunities for kind of wacky antics type things in the drops Inventions and things like that. Yeah, I uh, I had a different route to go. If sure, sure, please. Were there? I don't, you know, Help I don't me out here because I'm struggling. Because um, I like Meet the Robinsons, and I actually hadn't even considered that until you said that. Um, <laughs> I was I was going really old school when I considered this and I was also considering the shape of the building, because again, if we're talking about not huge, you know, not huge renovations, we don't, we're not knocking anything down. We're not, you know, we're doing that. I was thinking something from the sword and the stone. Um, Interesting. Classic, classic animation. You've got a tower, so it can become similar to the castle that, that they live in with, you know, where the Merlin moves into with Ward and, and, and his dad and all that. And, and I was thinking it would be really fun to turn the ride into, um, you know, when they go into the forest as, as a bird and they meet Madame Mim and the the ride becomes the wizard's duel when they when Madame Mim and Merlin have their their battle, you know, and Madame Mim would take control of the car um, at the point where the, it goes up and down sure, and sure. It drops and you can keep the the randomness of the ride there, you know, and then Merlin of course wins and takes it back and brings you back to safety, you know, with Ward and all of that. And I thought that could be a really fun and interesting theme, um, you know, and it, it gives for the story buildup, the leading through the castle, the, you know, the, the ride before the drop is, you know, going through all of that. That's what I was considering when, when I would think of retheming. This. I love that. I really do. Well, thanks. And and especially if, see, if we do that, it, it cr- starts to create a whole environment in that part of the park, right? Because if we go with the onward rock and roller coaster, mm-hmm. and then we have the, you know, Merlin's castle at the, at the end of the road, um, it, it, you have this, this great sort of alternative, you know, medieval fantasy world. That's a very different medieval fantasy world than the one that's over in the magic kingdom. Exactly. The, the the worry that I had when I considered the three things that I've brought up, the idea of the onward, um, in, you know, path of peril, Merlin's castle, and then the um, Royal Dalton Music Hall is that I have now taken three entirely different structures from the three entirely different worlds and ruined the facade of Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's true. It, it does make it for a, for a very different environment that you're walking through, but at least there's some cohesion between them. Agreed. But, but really, I mean, rock and roller coasters facade is not that impressive. Well, yeah, it's a big guitar. It's Take a, the big guitar big, right, down and right. put a big, you know, anything up. I mean, it's got to be the van. Put a magic wand up. <laughs> it's a Phoenix staff. You need a Phoenix uh, staff. Oh, Phoenix, Phoenix staff, maybe a Phoenix staff. staff. 
Do you, Athena? I don't know. I, I still like the idea of it being the van. Oh yeah, that'd be great. If you put the van, the yeah, huge um, van, Guinevere. Put, yeah, put a Guinevere. giant Guinevere up there. Yeah, that'd be great. Where the upside down car is, you could have Guinevere. That'd be there. Fun. You go. Um. All right. So so we've we've dealt with really all the attractions down Sunset Boulevard. I think pretty well. Um. Anything you want to do? There's that whole I've fast got, food I've got boulevard. Idea here. Oh, oh, you got another one. I'm sorry. Yeah, let me let me throw another oh, idea. Oh, yeah, yeah. Out sorry, go ahead. I'm still trying to turn the end of Sunset Boulevard into Marvel Universe. Oh, okay. So, you know, I've I've got Doctor Strange hanging in the Rock and Roller Coaster Zone, but over at Tower of Terror, I'm turning that into um, Guardians of the Galaxy Two, where they're trying to go into Ego's brain to blow it up, and you've got that whole idea of moving, you know, in and through all that stuff, and you got you got ample opportunity for the introduction of you know where uh where he's you know he's he's telling him about you know um the life that that you know that was created and all that happy stuff like that right there's plenty of opportunity for that but then when you get into the right itself you're actually moving through the brain or you know that's the core trying to uh find the place where you're going to plant the bomb and of course you've got Groot and Groot and Groot and Groot no yeah, you know, that whole thing. I, I think there's a, an opportunity for, to do that there. Interesting thought. Interesting thought. I, I think it's a good idea. It could be. It could be a lot of fun. Um, and if you, you know, because of the randomness of the drops or whatever, um, whether it's where the planting of the bomb or the explosions could be, you, you know, that that could be a lot of fun. It is going to require a lot more visualizations than currently exist, but I think it could be done and done well. Sure. No, I mean, I think it's doable. It's not going to take any more visualizations than turning it into the the wizard battle. So, True enough. Um, all right. So we've got two different visions for, for Sunset Boulevard, but they're both interesting. We, maybe some listeners will give us their feedback on which idea they like better. Um, you know, we haven't talked about any of the, the shops or restaurants in this area. None of them are really destinations. Um, but does anybody have a sense of something that they really want to do with that sort of fast food boulevard? I look at that going, you know, Sunset Boulevard, that's that's like total California, right? But the the turkey legs and chicken and pizza just does not make me think California at all. Turn some of those fast food places into things that serve, I don't know, things with avocado, things with bean sprouts. You know what I'm saying? It's like turn this into a California right. have, have, some, have an actual recipe. California menu at at least one exactly. of them. The peanut butter and jelly sandwich doesn't like stick out to you with no, the hamburger it, next door? It doesn't speak to me. Nope. No. No, either. <laughs> and then they, they, then they say like, oh, you can have a Bud Light or – and then they'll throw in the Sierra Nevada or Yingling. And I'm like, well, Yingling's from Pennsylvania and Bud Light's from St. Louis. We used to – California orange juice. <laughs> right. Or even Florida orange juice for that matter. <laughs> I don't care. So, so what I'm hearing is an argument for we can just get rid of Sunset Boulevard so that I haven't ruined the facade. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that that's generally true. But to give, you know, when Hollywood Studios opened it, and when they opened that boulevard, it, it it made its own internal sense. It was a neighborhood in the ersatz Hollywood of the era that they were generating, and I think that that the the park has moved on really from that concept. 
Exactly. You got to evolve. There's there's nothing California about the Black Pyre outpost. <laughs> so we, we left that behind. And and that's fine. I mean that that I think that's part of the evolution of the park. I I agree hundred percent. I I would you know, retheme it. Um I don't I don't necessarily think that we can take it to fantasy land or anything like that because obviously it's part of the Magic Kingdom, but um as much as I love the citizens of the, the you know, of the streets of Hollywood and the interactions that you have with them, and I would miss them, I um, I think that we could repurpose that entire, you know, kind of two streets or so into something that could be much more um, up to date and interesting to the, the current generation well, as well as future generations. I mean, come on, you I could make so it, too. you could make that whole strip be Manticore's Tavern. Well, you could. I would love that. I would you love could. That. Or think and about then you this. have a you reason could. to have turkey legs. <laughs> well, true. Okay, I'll give you that one, Jay. Good point. But as popular as avocado toast is, for example, uh, you can go to just about any restaurant and order avocado toast. Why couldn't you do that in one of those fast food kiosks? Oh, of course. Absolutely. Seriously. No, no, really, I'm, I'm still 100% on board toast. with you about the menus, that they could do a lot with the menus there no matter what the facades look like. Right. They have a whole restaurant of just ice cream. Like I love ice cream, but like at 9am, I don't want ice cream. Like, you know, I'd love a nice big egg sandwich with this and that instead of closed, 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 like half the sunset boulevards closed to 11 or 12 o'clock. Right. An egg frittata with bean sprouts. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm <laughs> visualizing this. <laughs> Some alternative to the, the you know, chocolate croissant. I mean, it's, it's like the only breakfast stuff available is sugar, sugar, and more sugar. Wrong. I, I love chocolate croissants, but yeah, exactly. I can't take the sugar and the carbs. Nope. Well, so I mean, I, I don't think we need to get into a whole lot of detail, but, but. One way or the other, right, we're going to change the the overall atmosphere of Sunset Boulevard. And if it's more of a, you know, Marvel New York feel, then you can certainly turn it into, you know, that strip can be like New York street vendors. And you can, you know, put the hot dog cart out there and the falafel stand yeah. and, and those. Can we get $1 Fresh pizza? Papaya. There you go. And, and if you do, street. you know, if you go the, the medieval fair route, you can have the Manticore's tavern window and you can have the turkey legs and the um you know you you, you can do whatever menu but with a little more anything yep. yeah a little more medieval uh look you know the sort of uh town square look yeah if you're if you're thinking like manicor's tavern i'm like i'm looking at all kinds of like um handheld type food you know like turkey legs and uh potato skins i mean yeah you, you can really cheese. go crazy with it. heck yeah you can go crazy with bites <laughs> where you just pop them in your mouth yep you know put them in a, with bacon yes yeah, oh yeah <laughs> but i mean like realistically you could put them in like a little funnel like sure. you know snow cone cup and Right. What would you put nine or ten in there? Oh, and, and think about think about the, the marketing opportunities when when you have the you know the Manticore's Tavern with the the beers on tap, and you can sell the you know plastic mug <laughs> at a premium. Well, I mean they they already do that at Gaston's. What well, of do you buy? They do. But crazy. But, but here you can cider. get it with beer. Exactly, and now you're a 
appeasing to the adults who spend money. Yes. Like you and I. Right. The ones who actually get to spend it. Right. You just switch your band over and it's only $21. There you go. Uh, all right. So so we I think we've done a pretty good job with Sunset Boulevard. Well, we hadn't really planned on making this a two-part episode, but we had so much fun talking about just Sunset Boulevard at the beginning of the show that we're already at almost an hour worth of recording. So we thought we'd give you all a bathroom break. Um, We'll come back next week and finish up the rest of Hollywood Studios. But until then, you're welcome to respond to our comments about Sunset Boulevard. We'd love to hear what you think about our opinions. Um, you can email us at podcast at disdads.com. You can visit us on Twitter at disdads podcast or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash disdads podcast. Uh, we'll catch up with you next time. I've been your host, Aaron Ripmaster, and uh, co hosts for this sort of half episode were uh, Tim Hicks and Willie Crocker, and we also had our special guest, uh, Jay Crocker, joining us as well. We'll all be back to, to share some more Hollywood Studios retheming ideas with you next week.